This is a Momentum Media production. Investing insights with Right Property Group. Exploring trends in real estate and helping property investors gain financial security. After two years, they're back in the studio. You think something that stopped them coming in live, recording, investing insights, Right Property Group, face to face. In full high definition, Stephen, and they had a nice sight, Steve <laughs> know, Waters. Right? Like, you, it, can you see the cameras on him, Vic? It's those filters that he used to put on, and when you see him in real life, it's I know it's just different. Yeah, and yeah. and a lot hasn't changed in the two years because we still have to bag for our coffee, right? Yeah. Do you know what? Like, because we were doing it another podcast beforehand. He says, oh, Steve, I'm going to be five minutes late. He said, do you want a coffee? I said, yeah, I'd love one. He goes, can you go buy us all one? <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not. And it was like, are you for real here? Like, no. yeah, So nothing's changed in two years? No, no, nothing has changed. And uh, much like the property market, Vic, I like things to be consistent. Mm-hmm. And consistency is key, Steve. Thank you. So that, by the way, that's uh, Victor Kumar and Steve Waters, directors at Right Property Group, uh, Phil Tarrant here. Co-host, Investing Insights, Right Property Group, season number thirty-six. Yeah, six. God. Yeah, time slow. And, uh, and has it literally been two years since we've done this uh, in the studio? We've been using the marvels of the Zoomarium for the last period of time. And I must admit, um, it hasn't detracted too much from the quality of the content we've been able to create. And I'd like to think, Vic, that um, we've navigated with a sense of sensibility mm-hmm. uh, the COVID pandemic. Are we still in that? Well. You know, there's still plenty of cases about the economic impact around it still being felt. Um, the societal impact is still being felt. The health impact is still being felt. But there is now, rightfully or wrongfully, depends which way you view the world, a, a sense of normalisation around it and acceptance that we are living with it. And this is the way it is. So this is a show about property investing. So we should probably keep it within the context of property investing big. But it has been two years. Yes, it has. And uh, you're right, Phil, it hasn't really changed, right? So from Mm. a property point of view, yes, you have your ebbs and flows, um, largely due to market sentiment and largely due to the psychology of the investor. Mm. But the informed investor knows that investing is a long-term play. It's it's not short-term. It does need to be reactive to the opportunities on the market uh, then and there based on what else is happening, uh, COVID, finance, uh, and the likes. But the fundamentals never change, provided you're actually buying towards a result and not buying towards a ego point of view. Well, I think that's the key, isn't it? Like, in its real sense, investing or being an investor is about the long term. Mm. You know, when you're trying to invest in, regardless of what's going on in the in the environment or ecosystem at that point in time, or even for the short term, mm. if you're not approaching it that way as an investor or investing, you are speculating. Absolutely. And that's when you lose opportunity and you lose capitalizing on the market. So uh, quite often we hear investors or wannabe investors that are looking to get started, but you know, hang on, I was afraid of what's going to happen during COVID because my employment was unstable. So I missed the market, the big growth. But the reality is that was not your market because you had uh, employment issues. So it was not safe for you to invest at that point in time. So the big question then, and this is what most Aussies are, are grappling with, Aussie investors, is with all of the, what some people would view as headwinds facing us at the moment, is it the right time to buy? 
real estate. And this mm. is the, as Steve Woodard would say, the $50 million, $50 billion question. Is that what you normally say? It's a $50 billion question? Well, it depends on the day. Okay. It's well, up to $6 trillion. The $6 trillion question is, is it actually the right time to buy? Now, let's chat about some of those headwinds. And no doubt you guys see the headwinds as tailwinds, and that's the sort of counter-cyclical approach to um, how most effective investors operate. But what are those headwinds? Well, it's a market in the state of flux, Victor. It is a rising rate environment, and you should at least be pricing in maybe another 1% this year into your personal mathematics and, and budgetary constraints. We're a rising inflation environment. However, I know that some of those inflationary pressures are starting to soften, and there's already signs in the market that we are moving back towards a period of normal target band for inflation uh, back in 2024. I think the RBA thinks we should be back to that sort of 2-3%. So it is a moment in time. It is a headwind for many Australians. Um, the collective cost of living plus the increasing mortgage repayments for a lot of homeowners and investors is a concern. So these are all rightful headwinds. Mm-hmm. We spoke recently with Steve Waters on, on a different podcast around some of the changing dynamics and regulation legislation from some state governments, Queensland included, around how they would be attracting or dealing with property investors in their area. We have uh, ongoing rising tensions uh, around geopolitics in Australia's partner world. You know, think about what's been happening in Taiwan recently, some of the sable rattling up there and you know, China's very clear intent around its ambitions to unify China and Taiwan by 2042, I think it is. Uh, closer to home, we have a new government still finding its feet. All this stuff for a lot of Australian investors goes, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit on my hands and wait to see what happens. And that's what most will do. But I imagine there are some who you're probably working with, uh, the right property group, who see the world very differently. Hmm. I think you missed a really big one there, uh, point, and that is sentiment. Yes. Because the media, the news, the atmosphere that we consume – consciously or subconsciously has a direct bearing on what we're going to do moving forward. And at the moment, you're only Morgan Stanley polls, the Westpac ones, the NAB ones, all shows consumer sentiment lower lower than what it was at the onset of COVID Mm. all those years ago, which seems like yesterday, really. Mm -hmm. And even on that, when you look at what's happened in the last three years as a result of COVID, some would say and some would say not, it's been an enormous, you know, we've seen a 180 degree turnaround in market and now starting its second revolution, I guess. But the sentiment piece, until that changes in mass, on mass, then it'll be a state of status quo, is what I believe. So what you're saying then is most people are clouded by what's going on in their head when it's framing and shaping their attitudes to investing in property. Or, and well, that, that, that is a collective sentiment that correct. you're talking about there. Yeah, because they're not yeah. approaching it in a, I guess, in a methodical, strategic way. And it's a couple of years ago, I wrote a blog on challenging people to identify what type of investor you are. Mm. And the I had to bring it up. Are you uh, the observer? Sits back, does nothing, just looks, but has plenty to say. Mm. Sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very true. The speculator, which we've seen, sounds like me. Plenty of no, you're not. A, no, you're not, a, not speculator. a speculator. No, 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 no. 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 The collector, people that just buy, you know, for the sake of buying. for the sake of buying. So, how many front doors? Look at me. Mm. You're a hoarder. I'm you're a the, hoarder. Yeah, you're different. Yeah. Well, a buy and hold. 
Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Uh, no, just in life. <laughs> okay. But, uh, and then you have the investor at the end. and Like a proper investor. Like a proper investor yeah. that okay. um, that is strategic, that is methodical, that is for the long term. So do I fall in that bucket? You're going to give me a compliment? No. Okay. It, uh, <laughs> no, look, you are because you're surrounded, like that whole notion around you are who you surround yourself mm. with. Every day you're surrounding yourself with people from different sectors of the greater industry, and you absorb that. Mm. And it's it a really good point. So it's a fortune museum. We, we sort of joke about this sort of being six seasons in, Vic, you know, and I've been really fortunate to learn a lot about property from you guys, you know, from very early days. And so now I'm able to look at stuff, and I'm, I'm sort of mentioning all those headwinds, right, which a lot of people are struggling with. But, you know, having known you guys for quite some time, you'd be looking at what the inverse of those headwinds are and how do you turn them into tailwinds. And I think that there lends itself to this sort of discussion around, is it the right time to buy? I know there's a lot of Aussie investors, Vic, who have come accustomed to the market over the last couple of years where if you own property in Australia, guess what? You're getting richer every day by the tune of thousands of dollars, right? Because your property's just going up in value. And if you held lots of property, your personal wealth was going up daily in tens of thousands mm. of dollars, you, you, probably you guys included, right? Yeah, and that's a good thing, but you don't really ever realise that wealth until you do something about it. So a lot of people who are accustomed now to a certain sense of mindset of how property should operate in Australia, and this has really probably shifted on the head. So no doubt people are satisfied with the lifestyle that they had, which now might start changing as a result of these pressures that we're, we're seeing. It's a big question for a lot of Aussies. Absolutely it is. And and mm. uh, the reality of it is the, the three of us are blessed with having the ability to talk to people with of many walks of life. And with that collective banter, with collective conversations, we are able to form a fairly strong judgment of where the market's heading, what people are generally thinking. But also more importantly, we are also learning of people by osmosis because their thought process gets us to challenge our thought process. And every now and then we have the aha moment of something that we already know, that we already knew inside us, but it's just hasn't been brought to the surface and you sort of say hey i knew that and that flows on to you know the age-old question of is this the right time to buy it's the wrong question the correct question should be is this the right time for me to buy and then uh, you need to look at all of the things that impact your investing ability first of all what type of investor you are steve in, i in think terms that's of, key yeah that's the key so you need to know yourself first in terms of how you are investing, how you're making your decisions, and more importantly, how you're reacting to crises. Because even if there is no COVID, even if there is no GFC or financial crisis, there will always be a crisis within your portfolio. And it could be a repair, maintenance. It could be that you've forgotten to renew your insurances. So how do you react to that is the first key that you need to look at. Then the second thing you need to look at is obviously the ability over the longer term, to hold onto the investments. Note the word investments, not investment. So what that means is that you need to look at what your operating costs are, not just the property, but the entire household budget and how it's going to be impacted. Is there a baby on the way? Are you going to change employment? Because that will all impact the lifestyle changes you'll need to make to help hold on to your portfolio over the longer term without adding financial stress to it. Then once you've done that, then the next thing to decide really is, okay, what type of property, what opportunity do I focus on 
to take into account what the market's doing and importantly, how it fits in within the portfolio that I've already got. Once you've addressed that, that's the time you can actually come to a decision to say, okay, is this the right time to purchase for me? Mm. It could be that everyone else is buying, just like I said earlier on. If your employment was shaky during COVID Mm. and you, you said, I've missed the market. No, you haven't. You've kept yourself safe by not investing at that time when it was actually unsafe for you to invest. So you've got so many contextual layers there, which for most Aussie investors, and you probably deal with them every single day, they just never end up doing anything. So they get to a point and they go, well, I'm not going to do it now because it's not right time Mm -hmm. for me to invest. But then you fast forward 10 years and it might be too late for them to invest to actually make an impact, which is materially intangible to setting them up for a more favourable, financially stable retirement. So, you know, you say, well, it might not be the right time now, but I'm sure you can always find a time mm-hmm. and always find a reason in Australian property to not invest. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's I, the observer that you're yeah, probably talking about. That's the too. observer, absolutely. Well, I think you're right there because you'll always find a reason to do something or not. Mm. It just really depends on how motivated mm. and prepared you are. At the end of the day, that those that succeed, whether it be in business or property investing or whatever it may be to them, there is an element of preparation, a big element of preparation. Yeah. Then there's activation and then there's monitoring and there's adjustment. Those, and we've said this many times, those that go into or that invest in any asset class for mine in a passive manner, they'll be they're asking for trouble. They're asking for trouble. Mm. And being not passive or being active within your asset class doesn't, necessarily mean that it consumes you, but as with any business, whether you're a self-employed taxi driver or Momentum Media or whatever, there are checks and measures, there are mm. budgets, there are there is staff and there are plans and, and there is monitoring. Yeah, and there's a goal and that goal is to grow, just like your property portfolio should and present a certain amount of cash flow. And that for me is why people stop. Yeah, to be fair, there are times when no one should invest mm. because the market may dictate very rarely, though, will you have a an overall market where every corner and every square inch uh, is going, going to be backwards. perfect. What do they say about um, perfect? What is around sort of perfect planning? Uh, uh, imper- per- in- <laughs> perfection prevents progress. Per- yeah, perfection something like that. Uh, sorry, Im- imperfect action is better than perfect inaction is what I'm looking for. And there's always that in property markets. There's always a reason why not to buy. Yeah, absolutely. And there's always a reason to buy now. A lot of maybe less sophisticated investors probably sit there going, ha-ha, well, I'm ready, but I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait until the perfect time. Mm-hmm. I'll wait. It's, I can buy now, but I'll just wait for the perfect Look, time. Look, most people, uh, when they're investing, right, um, they have the adage of ready, aim, fire, right? Mm. But most people go ready, aim, 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 they forget to fire. Mm. Or some people, they go fire, ready, aim. Yeah. So they, they're reactive to the media, they're reactive to what everyone else is doing uh, around in the circles, and they go out and buy something. So this is the uh, investor that's more reactive, not from a fundamental point of view, but from a, uh, no, I've got to take action. And I reckon if you look through. at the recent census data, Victor, they'd be the mm. Australian investor that only own one property. Correct. Yep. yep. But I also think there's, over the last couple of years, let's call it the last five years, there's a sense of, I'm going to call it, the crypto mindset to investing in property. Instant wins. Yeah, mm. where it's just quick, like that quick decision, quick in, I'm making the $1,000 a day. This is all so easy, so I will start to speculate even further and mm. take on yeah, perhaps investment stock assets and not well thought out of. And then as with what crypto is experiencing at the moment, 
it's suffering other than the last couple of weeks, but it's extremely uh, peaks and troughs. Do, and you know, do you know who's most benefiting from crypto? Advertisers, I reckon, because every single bus and bus shelter and every single advert on TV is some new crypto exchange where you can buy and sell crypto really easily. But do you know what? People would, for the last three years, two years, maybe 18 months even, mm. Same thing with property. Yeah. Every second ad, like I was on our Facebook Live the other day, we were talking about, you know, there's a lot of ads on buses and a lot of them were real estate agents, you know, yeah, so yeah. you feel the best agent in Kiribati. There is actually a lot of that going around at yeah, the moment. But yeah, but I saw on the back of a bus, someone had someone had bought the advertising space and said, I bought this space so a real estate agent wouldn't. <laughs> and, that's, and that's all. There was no... You wouldn't know who it was from or anything. It just said, I bought this space so a real estate agent would Someone's got too much time and money, I reckon. Well, but- yeah, when, when, the, when are we going to see Steve Waters on the back of the bus wearing a polo shirt you should ask a, me if I'm a bus driver. <laughs> <laughs> never. Never. No, no, no. I, it's- Most buyers agents you see on the social media these days, don't you? Yeah, you see a lot of them on there. Yeah. And, I, and I guess, look- I blame you guys for the proliferation of buyers agents. Why so? It just made it look so easy. Well, oh we've, got the unique, uh, <laughs> we've got the unique honour of creating our own competition. Well, you've done it many, many times, oh, and I know very, a lot of these people, right? Correct. You know, who, and who, that's good. We like that because, yeah. you know, that's a big world, and I think the more that the general public get to see of this industry from the good people, it's great. Yeah. It's more choice. It, it exposes the industry sometimes in the, in the bad, but also the good. Uh, and at the end of the day, we're after choice. Well, you know, I've got a, a thesis on this that um, – the rapid acceleration of buyers agents in Australia because it just gets more and more mm. complicated. And there's a lot of Aussies that go out there and do it themselves and good on good them. Good on them. Um, yeah. Look, I think, and it works um, for uh, some. Yeah, being complicated, right? It really isn't if you got someone to guide you. So it, like very good athletes, they could still train on their own. They mm. could still do it on their it's own. Good but they have they have coaches for different aspects of their career. Yeah. And investing's no different. You could do it on your own. You can but, do, and people do. Yeah, do absolutely, it and they do it well as well. Mm. But if you brought in the catalyst, a la a very well connected property strategist that's gone through the multiple property cycles, so that you're also leveraging off their mistakes, their experiences as well, you are able to accelerate that journey, and you have those pertinent advice of you know, when is it too early to start or when it is too late. Because if you leave it in, uh, on the earlier comment, it, you know, if you leave it till too late. The selection of the property and the selection of the strategy becomes so exact that there comes a point in time where you have to draw the line in the sand and say, I have actually left it too late. Yeah, because there could be the intent, all good intent may be mm. there, but the, the economics may change. Yeah, absolutely. In a general sense. And I agree with that. That's a very good point. So rather than, well, is it, you know, when should I start? It's when should I stop? Yeah. I think that's a big question, uh, an important question to answer as well. Well, yeah. when you should stop, it's going to be completely determined on when you started, right? And and when you think of it also, much like um, uh, if you've got retail or or, um, or industry super, depending where you are on your lifestyle as a worker will determine the type of fund that you're invested in and it's a risk appetite, right? So um, uh, the, the, the risk inflection point uh, happens multiple times as a property investor and you've got this got a moment in time probably in the middle of your journey where it's quite moderate and you can benefit from not throwing caution to the wind. But I would argue probably earlier on in your investing journey, if you start young and we're talking about, you know, is it the right time to buy? But when is too late? You can throw caution to the wind and, and have a, a higher risk appetite if you start early. You've got time on your side. But if you start too late, there's the inverse of that risk equation, mm. but you're forced to be inherently more risky because the type of asset that may give you 
the growth that you need or the positioning you need because you don't have time on your side mm-hmm. is going to be a very different sort of risk profile. So yeah. it's a real it's t- a tough one. I'm sure some nerds sort of work this out somewhere. Probably you have. You know, you're a nat- mass yeah, Just for the... Just, <laughs> just, I was about to say, I'm just, just for a good-looking bloke. just called you yeah, geek, you're the nerd. Yeah, all, you're pointing to Vic there, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, right, mate. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Yeah. It, um, but, but at the later stage... The term of endearment, by the way, Vic. Uh, now look at him grumble. But at the later stage of life, I think we see it a lot where people, especially if the market cycle... I guess, fits into it. People say, well, this is my get out stakes. Mm. I'm all in because yeah. I have Big very limited time to get the result. Mm. Until there were speculative investments like crypto. Yeah. Where that's probably, when it's booming, it, everyone's a. You know, I saw, I saw some space. numbers, and I'm probably getting this wrong. And I'm not advocating crypto, ad- yeah, furthest yeah. thing from the truth, but it's easy to get in. Easy to get out. Easy to get out. And And you can can double with small amounts of money, right? You can be a crypto investor with a hundred bucks, right? But that is the purest form of speculation and some would call it pure insider trading to some degree. Just a big... But if you were to do that with property, there's a lot of in costs, there's a lot of out costs, Mm. there's a lot longer, no matter how good the market is. It has to go up 40% for you to what minimum for you to warrant trading out of it. Yeah, we, we spoke about time. Australian government's investment in Australian property, right? Like very different than crypto. You know, like crypto, Australian government, state governments aren't getting too much of a drink out of Aussies investing in crypto, but they're mm. getting the fair drink out of Aussies investing in, in property. But I, I saw some numbers, Steve, and I'll have to go back to the source, but remember it, I went, oh, it was like a huge amount of people who invest in Australia invest in crypto. Like Massive it, it is- it was thirty percent, thirty or thirty five percent of all investors investing in crypto in some some form. I don't. I don't know if you guys. I've I'm got saying. like I've got. Sort so of, you're a crypto investor? No, I've got a. You're a crypto bazillionaire. I bazillion. <laughs> I have a like a good dinner out with a bunch of mates invested. Okay. Like literally that. It's only because it's the only way that I can try to understand it, understand it, and learn about it. Um, and it's for giggles mm. at the end of the day. But coming back to your to what you said around how many, 30% of people that invest in crypto, I'd love to see an age break up on that. I re- you'd see the younger generation. Yeah. I don't th- know if there'd be too middle ground in there, and I think mm. you'd see a proportion of the elder cohort just getting stuck into it, trying just to find to something to do on Get the, out stakes, yeah. right? But yeah. it's But as we spoke about before, that because of asset classes like crypto, I think that's had a, uh, and the, the mindset, I guess, that comes with that type of investing, we see a flow-on effect through that into the residential property space as well, yeah. like without doubt. And But thanks to COVID, and we've spoke about this before, the, the clunkiness of, of real estate transactions is also, yeah. I'm going to say halved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mortgage of, documents, contracts, yeah. signed all, all digitally. Yeah, yeah. and when you've got a market that is less friction, there's a lot less friction in the transaction. But uh, on the other side of it, I don't know how you guys are going with all this digital IDing and stuff. I find that such a I love it. Yeah, yeah. Do it once, do it right. Yeah, move on, old man. Okay, it's just, but it's it's some <laughs> old internet three point zero over here. Vic. <laughs> metaverse. You're still stuck in Meta, the MySpace days. Metaverse. Hey, what about what about investing in um, property in the metaverse, Steve? You guys uh, providing any advice or recommendations on that yet? Uh, just watch this space. No, yeah. <laughs> no. Actually, I think you and I own a piece of Mars or moon. the moon. I think uh, it is. Moon. Um, yeah, there was this. Um, a fed going around and we got gifted uh, land 
I, I'm not sure yeah. whether it was Mars or the Moon, but <laughs> that, that we, we've got the gift certificate still there. Yeah. I've got. I'm, I'm a Scottish landholder. I took a thousand square meter corner block just for future subdivision. Yeah, yeah. I can see you there with your Martian mates. <laughs> You're one of them, yeah. little green Phil. Green Phil. It's, no, uh, it's, that's uh, only on. No, I'm a, I'm a Scottish uh, laird. I think uh, I've got the certificate. Uh, okay, so uh, you're just uh, just a lord. You're not a landlord. No, I'm not a landlord. I'm just a lord. I can go pitch my tent and uh, keep the peasants off my land, Stephen. With all your haggis. Yes, and yes. I'll go uh, shooting for pheasants and then I'll uh, go and sit on my bit of land. But um, well, you are legitimately a landholder now. Oh, yeah. You've got uh, some. Yeah, well, some. I try to be, but um, so you actually have you actually have land. I won't say where or what it is, but no. you've got you've got land that some would argue is cheaper per square meter than the carpet good, than good Italian tiles. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, us struggling farmers, Steve, we're the backbone of this great nation. Ah, yes, yes, you we are. We keep it. We we toil the land. We provide produce for the Australian community. We help with the the sovereignty of this nation, our self reliance, and our Resilience. The farmers of this great nation are just quick question. What are you farming? Things. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of grass, actually. Yeah. So right, yeah. right, right yeah. now we've got natural, a lot of fertilizer. Natural right? grass. Yeah. <laughs> natural grass, not the version that um, <laughs> grows vertically. That grows vertically. Yeah. Uh, looks like tomatoes. Um, no, that's, that's not. <laughs> but, um, uh, but, but I would note, but it's a good time for farmers at the moment. I, I read the land. Oh, sorry, I read the land every Friday night, Steve. You You'd buy like it, this. You buy it Thursdays. I buy it. it comes yeah, out, and yeah. I read it every single Friday. I sit there. Do you um, know I still do that too? Yeah, without yeah. without fail, and but it, like it, all jokes aside, it's, you're a landholder as well. I know yes. the, the Vic, you're a landholder as well. But know? it's cyclical. I mean, rural investing, which is mm. uh, I do a bit of that as well. It, it is a cyclical thing, and we're coming into a stage where, well, actually, I'll backtrack. That type of investment class is for the people that either have very very big deep pockets and are well connected. Or they actually have an understanding of the asset class. Yep. For the in in between us, it's it's not something I that I would zero do. understanding of the asset class. I, I find the land and the land we're talking about the newspaper, which is still big and thick and full of adverts, and I I get excited about sheds and and all the equipment that you can waste your money on. But um, yeah, if Phil rings me Friday, oh Steve, what do you reckon of this tractor? What do you think of this okay, <laughs> yeah. this You see, you see what cattle prices right now? <laughs> <laughs> Record highs. Just so. I, I know my uh, my neighbour uh, laughs at me quite a lot. Who actually know they're the sort of people that know what they're doing. But um, let's talk about real investments, Steve. Do you know what? Um, I was just, I, as you were saying that, Phil, sorry to interrupt, but mm. I, as you were just saying that and I tuned out, the <laughs> this podcast is like the Jerry Springer, uh, not Jerry Springer, um, Jerry Seinfeld. Is that, was he on? Seinfeld. Yeah, Seinfeld. Yeah, the show about nothing. This podcast, yeah. I feel, is today's episode is about <laughs> nothing. It's about everything. So who's the wayward maniac Kramer then? Oh. You'd be, you'd be Elaine, fickle. Uncertain about themselves. You'd be low self-esteem. Oh no, she she was really good. You'd be <laughs> what's his name? Norbert Nisbet Nabbit A Newman. Newman. <laughs> Hello, Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> Vic would be. Oh, oh he's, he's he's definitely not Jerry. He's no, not he's Jerry. not Jerry. He's uh, <laughs> George Costanza. <laughs> <George> Costanza. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, he's always up to something. There's always some racket, some rot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, you just worried about no, who's but let's, let's talk about real property. I, I um, I was listening to uh. Bernard Salt, who's ex-KPMG demographer, one of the, the great demographers of Australia. And I like him. And I was listening to a bit. He was talking about fried egg. I'm going to get this right. It's a fried egg sort of uh, cities where you've got, 
you know, the, the yolky bit in the middle and the rest of just like the suburban milk, the white stuff of the egg is suburban milk. And he said, it's completely changed now. You know, it started changing back in 2000, but COVID was the key accelerant to completely changing that now. And, and that's now out. And you've spoken about this for years, Vic. It's, you, I think you call it, um, oh, I can't remember it, but um, they're sort of like, of CBD. Yeah, they're sort of satellite city CBDs. And, and, and so like, you know, I think you said Blacktown, for example, which is fried egg. So people now will only live at work, play inside of like a 20-kilometre belt of, of their own fried egg. And he sort of spoke about regional markets. And, and this is why one of the accelerants of, of regional markets right across Australia, from an investment point of view, Wollongong, Central Coast, Bendigo, Ballarat, Shepparton, you know, all these type of areas are now their own fried eggs uh, to use his uh, sentiment towards it. And, and this is fundamentally changing the way I which think, Australians live. I, I think it's, um, it's a good analogy. I'd probably take it. It's become more scrambled. Yeah, maybe scrambled yeah. egg. Yeah, where it's been decentrified. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just the workforce has, yeah. and as a result of that, where people choose to live, and yeah, you know, we obviously see that all of us, and see that now. And yeah, the question is, how long does it last for? And and it, why it's something to think about is that will have some directive on your investing decisions. That's right, and to keep in in the same theme, whether it's the flash in the pan. Or whether <laughs> it is it is something that we need to actually pay attention to, right? So uh, if you look at how the investing cycle, the economy, how money flows in the in the community has morphed, years ago all the all the major businesses, the white collar workers, and all that were concentrated on on the main CBD, so postcode two thousand, three thousand, four thousand, right, and so forth. Now with especially after COVID with the diversification, the ability to work remote. And then when you look at how infrastructure is being planned with the increasing population in each major city and the uh, way the governments are helping that grow, I'm talking about the state governments, one's just got to look at and just Google the Greater Sydney Plan, which is a great template to what's happening in most states. Mm. Uh, And it gives you a really good idea of the mantra that the New South Wales government has is that no one will be more than half an away from their job, right? So therefore, we are creating all of these employment nodes, both blue collar and white collar, and the consistency of income within that insular community that creates that micro micronation of um, investing. So now what you need to do is go to these different employment nodes and say, okay, where can my money work best within my budgets, within my household budgets and my ability to hold on to the I think it depends on your time frame. Hmm. Um, Going back to the master plan for Sydney, I think it is unique to Sydney because Sydney is- It's constrained. uh, It's it's geographically constrained, right? So it can happen. But other states, as we all know, can keep going out, 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 out. I think the key question is what are local governments- and state governments going to do to retain the youth in the areas that are away from, let's call it CBDs, because that will drive the family to make decisions. Uh, If there's nothing for them to do... But but that said, and go back to to Bernard Salt, he sort of spoke about uh, gentrification of of these areas, and he goes, when I think his quote was, when you start seeing smashed avocado in Penrith, I think that's what he said, you know that that gentrification has happened, and he said probably already happened, right? But I, th- I think what we've done, guys, is set ourselves up for our next podcast. I think we, we've really just very quickly went over some pretty sophisticated sort of demographical 
uh, conceptual uh, frameworks for how these Australian cities will, will grow and how Australians will live. So I recommend you to pick that up because what I'd like from you both is to challenge those concepts and actually start looking at, okay, well, that's fine. If that's the way it's going to be, how do you therefore make your buying decisions around it rather than just going, oh, I'll invest in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is very complicated. So maybe we can do that next time around with some some case studies on some specific locations. If you're up for it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I guess uh, one of the major things we'll, we'll um, highlight over there is that you really should be investing towards a result, not necessarily in the way you're investing as well. Th- that does come into play, but you need to get the result in first. Now, Victor... I watch your Facebook lives, which I think are very informative. When do they happen? Every second? Every second Thursday. Okay. Um, so um, if you wanted to listen to our previous episodes, just go onto our Facebook page uh, and all of the previous uh, Facebook lives are there uh, for you to uh, listen. If you like or follow our page, you'll get notified every time we're live. Okay, good. And and I think there are also people can reach out, contact you and your team if they want to actually have a yarn. Absolutely. So uh, as we um, said before, there is a little bit of a process to get in front of either myself or Steve. So you uh, can use the contact me form on the website or reach out through a uh, direct message on Facebook. Um, Melissa, who's a seasoned investor. In fact, one of the things that, that I want to highlight is that all of our employees at RPG, one of our employment criteria is they have to be property investors. Mm. So we are then talking to you from real life experience, not necessarily textbook approach. So when you contact us, Melissa will have a conversation with you to help you get ready for a meeting with either myself or Steve so that you can get the best of our time and we can give you really pertinent recommendations based on your scenario. And that's a right property group, and that's R-I-G-H-T, you Go and uh, track the guys down there. Gentlemen, uh, Victor, Steve, thanks for your time today. Always enjoy it. Uh, we'll be back again next month with the Investing Insights with the Right Property Group. I'm Phil Tarrant, uh, host of the Smart Property Investment Show and co-host of this great podcast. We've been going at it for six years. I uh, hope you enjoy it. Remember, any feedback, you can send it through to questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au. We're going to do a Q&A episode soon. They're coming in. We're just sort of collating them, curating them together, and we'll get stuck into it, asking or answering all those questions that uh, people are querying. We'll see you next time. Until then, bye-bye. The information featured in this podcast is general in nature, does not take into consideration your financial situation or individual needs, and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property, or financial planning decision, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you.